This is a Podcast 225 production. It was a regular Tuesday night in South Louisiana. A feeling of celebration was in the air as two dear friends sit and talk in their SUV after returning from a birthday dinner. Both ladies were unaware of what was about to happen. Detective Walter Griffin of the Baton Rouge Police Department is lead investigator on the case. I received a call out on January 15, 2019. I remember that it was approximately 47 degrees in temperature. That was really like one of the coldest days of the year. Uh, it was clear approximately 8.03 hours. There was a shooting involving the victim, Janessa Hartley. 56-year-old Janessa Hartley. A wife, a mother, a grandmother, and an involved member of her community. Her story and the details of the tragic events that took her life are next. Welcome to the Crime Stoppers Podcast. The story of Janessa Hartley Nessa, as she was known by friends and family, begins long before this sad day in January of 2019. Her husband Peter remembers her as a beloved wife, mother, and grandmother, and an involved member of her community. Here, he talks about the moment they met and the life that would follow. I met Nessa when I was 15. Uh, it was my first job ever, actually. Uh, my dad knew her dad, and I got a summer job. Her sister worked there. Her sister's a couple years older. So her, uh, her sister said, hey, there's this guy over here at the office. You might want to come meet him. We were the same age. Her sister's older than us. So she came over, and again, my first job, I'm trying to make a good impression, boss, do my job. And she's over here asking me all these questions. She's interested, um, just getting in my way, being a general, you know, somebody who's interested. So... That was, uh, that was when I was 15. Uh, we started dating. It took three years before we started dating. The first date I asked her on was my high school uh, prom. And she accepted the date, but what happened after that, her, she has an older sister, two older sisters. Uh, her older sister, who was already married, lived in Missouri, had her, was having the first baby. So the day after school ended, she left. So that date was delayed about four weeks. After that first date, there was a second date and a third date. We were together ever since. Nessa's friend Linda remembers the impact this amazing woman had on her life and on the lives of the people around her. Nessa and I have been friends for uh, over 30 years, and we raised our children together, and we were just best of friends, and we spent a lot of time together. She was a mom. She loved her children, her family. She just was a, a mother who spent time taking care of friends and family. Just a really sweet, compassionate person. She enjoyed working as a teacher. She enjoyed doing things for her children and others. She was a great cook. She, uh, she loved to shop. She was a sweet person. She was a very dear friend. Her greatest joy in life, most recently, was her grandchildren. One of the things that got her to stop working the second time was the birth of our first grandchild. We have five. As soon as she found out that grandchildren were coming, that was it. She had those grandkids in her car 
every day, if not every other day. Linda, one of Nessa's best friends, was also the other passenger in the vehicle the night Janessa was murdered. The previous week, uh, uh, there was another good friend of ours who had contacted us and wanted to get together for Nessa's birthday. And so uh, we made arrangements to go out to dinner and celebrate her birthday on the 15th. The day of that dinner, Nessa had texted me asking if she, if I wanted her to pick me up because we lived a couple of blocks from each other. And I said, sure. And so uh, that evening she came and got me and we met our other friend at dinner and we had an enjoyable evening just celebrating her birthday and catching up because we hadn't seen each other. Uh, the other friend hadn't seen her in a, a long time. And um, after we were finished, we got in the car and uh, we drove to my house for her to drop me off. Over the years, Linda and Nessa had a similar routine after spending a day or an evening out on the town. Whenever we went somewhere, which was often, either she was driving or I was driving, either she was dropping me off or I was dropping her off. And whenever we did that, we would stay in the car because we were just chit-chatting. You know, even though we'd spent time together, when it's time to say goodbye, we just sit in the driveway and you just start talking about stuff. And that's what happened this evening. Uh, we were chit-chatting. Ordinarily, it could be 30 minutes or an hour we would be sitting in the driveway just because we would talk. This evening was a little unusual in that we were only in the driveway for 10 minutes, and uh, it was because I was a little bit tired. I had worked a long day that day, and I was just getting ready to, I was actually in the middle of saying my goodbyes when we saw a shadow kind of creep us out, and we were kind of like, what was that? It was almost like just a motion, and we were asking each other, what was that? What is somebody there? You know, what, what was that? And then... We were looking at a barrel aimed at us, and all you could see from the person was his eyes because he had a hoodie over his head and a uh, cloth across his, his nose and mouth. Your brain just does not process it, just staring at this person's eyes and into his face. And we were trying to figure out if it was a joke, somebody was playing a prank on us, because this is not something that we're accustomed to happening. We couldn't hear anything. We couldn't hear him saying anything. It was like he was just standing there staring at us and we couldn't figure out what he wanted. And we were too scared to get out of the car because that we felt like we were protected inside the car. Then we were like trying, I guess we were kind of in sync with one another and trying to, even though we weren't necessarily saying the steps of what we were trying to do, but she started to rev the gas, and right at the, it, it all happened simultaneously. The shot and the gas start the, the gas started to rev, and then the shot happened. She collapsed, and I put the car in reverse just because I wanted to get us out of there. The next moments illustrate Linda's quick thinking in an attempt to save her friend's life. He raised the gun again to fire, second shot, 
and my concern was I just wanted to get her help as fast as possible and get us away from him. And so when her car was in reverse, this other car was coming and it honked the horn and continued on and our car went into the driveway across the street and as soon as I saw him turn to run, which he did shortly after, like one second after the shot was when he turned, after he had pointed it at us again, he then turned to run and as soon as I knew he was turning and going away from where we were, I just started blowing the horn and screaming for somebody to call 911. 911. Don't go outside. Don't go outside. Well, the, all the neighbors are here. Ma'am, don't. surrounding the car. Okay. Don't go outside. Somebody else is calling 911. Lock your door. Detective Walter Griffin with the Baton Rouge Police Department is the chief investigator on the scene. Upon arrival, I saw a small SUV that was adjacent on the sidewalk of the target address on Brookshire, uh, there was a deceased female in the driver's seat. So at that point, we start the, the task of collecting evidence. Collecting evidence entails, of course, working the scene itself, as well as interviewing any witnesses that may have witnessed the actual incident. The best possible witness was already on the scene. After speaking with Linda, Detective Griffin began to piece together the details of what took place this tragic evening. We spoke with her briefly on scene, and the gist of it was this. They had gone out for a normal night out with the girls. They went had dinner to celebrate Janessa's up-and-coming birthday. Her birthday would have been the day after January the 16th, 2019. Once they finished dinner, of course, they drove home. Nothing unusual happened. It was a normal drive home. There was no incidents of road rage or anything of that nature. They didn't cut anyone off. No one cut them off. They didn't have any words with anybody at any one of the red, many red lights that they stopped at, any stop sign or anything of that nature. We was able to determine that when we interviewed the witness. So once they arrived home, it was a normal night. They normally, and I got this from the witness and her fiancé, they normally pull up in the driveway and they sit in the car and they talk about whatever. They talk for any, anywhere from 15 minutes to sometimes an hour, he said. They just sit there and talk. So that exactly what was occurring during this incident. Linda's alert recollection, as well as details given by neighbors, helped begin the investigation process. Shortly after she exited the vehicle, her fiancé came out, her neighbor came out, several other neighbors came out. One of her neighbors called 911. Then they focused their efforts on Janessa to try to perform any and all life-saving means. At the end of that, now we have officers arriving. 
We had one officer that was in or around that area that came, and he was the first one on scene. So he starts calling everyone. Now the official investigation is starting because you have to have a starting point somewhere. You have to have that call. You have to have that that first person there to say, I came and I started this. I saw this here. This is where we started from here. The following detail-oriented process is supremely necessary in retracing the moments that took place during the crime. So now we start the actual investigative process. You have several levels of that. You have an internal scene, you have an external scene. They rope out as, as wide as they can possibly imagine at the time. When investigators get there, they may find something that's on the outskirts of that, so we make it larger. But this wasn't the case for this one. The initial scene that they roped off was large enough. After that scene is roped off, then the notification starts. They notify headquarters to send out a homicide investigator so that they can come and take over the scene. When they notify us, they also have to notify the coroner's office. They also have to notify crime scene because crime scene has to document and collect this evidence because this evidence is going to tell us or we hope that it will tell us ultimately somehow, some way who did this and how they did it. So all of these parts are moving together as well as they notify the chief's office uh, and command staff. Everybody converges on that scene. What happens next is an investigation involving many steps, but the community can play a role in bringing this killer to justice. What we always ask the community is this. Take a moment and think back. What were you doing at that date and time? Were you in that area? And if so, if you were in that area, what did you see? Because oftentimes some people see things that they didn't really pay attention to. So if you saw something, please call and tell us what you saw. Let us be the ones to say, yes, that helps us or we already knew this or we may not know this. Just take a moment and replay that night and try and think if you may have possibly seen some or may not have or may have been in the area because it's, it could be the smallest thing ever. You could have been driving. You could have been walking your dog in that area. I mean, just take a moment from your hustle and bustle and just pause for a second. Solving every crime is the top mission of Crime Stoppers. The staff, the leadership, and a host of law enforcement professionals work every day to seek justice on behalf of families across Louisiana. Here is Sergeant Don Coppola with Crime Stoppers with how you can get involved. We want you to pick up the phone, call Crime Stoppers, 344-7867. You will remain anonymous. We don't want to know who you are. We just want to know the information that you have. No matter how big or small you may think it is, it may be the missing piece that investigators are looking for. Again, Crime Stoppers, 344-7867. If you're not comfortable calling us, you can submit a tip anonymously to our website, www.crimestoppersbr.com, or download our P3 app and submit a tip through that as well. Help get justice for Nessa. Call Crime Stoppers at 344-STOP. That's 344 787